0: Welcome to Box to Box Football.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Box to Box Football. I'm Kyle. We've got JJ, Stu, and Mike. Uh, Sean, unfortunately, is on the injured list, not fit enough to start tonight. Um, we, hope, we hope to get him back soon, now. Uh, so if you want to find him, Prodigal Sean on Twitter and, and tell him to feel better soon and, and, and wish him well in the meantime. Uh, we'll, we'll hold it down here on uh, Box to Box Football. Remember to, to follow us on, on all your, your socials. Uh, wherever you get your your podcast from, give us likes. Um, you know, hit the hit the bell. Do you do that? You hit the bell. Give us stars. You know how it is. that the, the algorithm works now. Um, but back for the uh, the week two recap of of Premier League football, uh, and then of course we we've got a, a big around the world we want to get to to get to as well the the Women's World Cup final. Uh, a Christian Pulisic banger for AC Milan. Uh, the Champions League playoffs, the, the final six spots uh, for the group stage up for grabs this week. Uh, and then how about a thrilling League's Cup final here in the States with with Messi uh, winning a trophy with Inter-Miami. Uh, so without further ado, gentlemen, uh, let's get to it. Week two of the English Premier League season. And we're going to start at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where Ange Ball up and running, Spurs 2, Manchester United nil. uh Pape Sarr gets gets Spurs on the board in the 49th minute, and then a lone goal from Lissandro Martinez. But Spurs looked really good in this game. United not so much. Second straight year, um, the the that Manchester United's got off to a slow start under under Eric Ten Hag. They they one 0 win scraped by against Wolves in the opener, and now we're outplayed by Spurs in in, in this game. JJ, I'll turn it over to you. Your thoughts on this one.
2: Ooh, which means I get to start as the United fan, the sole United supporter in the room. Um, listen, so I'm a little bit more of a realist in terms of my uh my thoughts. I, I don't, I kind of try and look at these things as as sort of a neutral perspective, and I want to call back to the thing that I said about Tottenham a couple of weeks ago in one of our preview shows. Winning mentality breeds confidence, and what Ange Ball has brought to this Tottenham team is confidence and flair. I mean. When was the last time we actually saw a Tottenham team enjoy their football? It's certainly not at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium of current. Maybe perhaps at a chewed-up Wembley Stadium pitch, which still, by the way, I don't know how that grass survived after all those matches in the uh, midst of those two years that they played there. But, I mean, this team, they did exactly what you needed to do. We talked briefly in our last episode about expectations that battle between Madison and Casemiro of the absolute, well, uh, show artists, I think is a nice way to put it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what they did is basically they just took out Casemiro in the sense of just trapped him in a corridor of, well, you can't really get out of it, made the field as wide as possible. I thought Kulisevsky actually was quite decent. I know Sonny was Sonny, um, but Kulisevsky really was one that was able to drag everybody out wide and make things easy. Sar was class, Richarlison. I know it wasn't the match that maybe he would have wanted to have to get a bit more service going to him, but every time that Spurs drove in the attacking third, I thought they looked dangerous. I thought that they were going to at least create chances every time they went forward. And United, yeah, they had that little patch. Think about the 50th, the 60th minute where they hit the post once with Antonio. The crossbar FC came in a couple of times as well. You can't just wait for a team to score to get yourself going. And that was something that United suffered a little bit over previous managers. Yes, they did have their couple of lapses last season. But for me, there weren't any standout performers in that team. I mean, you could say that Anthony had some moments. Great. Bruno there's a lot of things a lot of people could say about him. I know the whining is something that's really come to the forefront. Were there shouts of penalties? Yes, but there were shouts of penalties on both sides. And guess what, Bruno? You got away with the one the week before with Onana absolutely clattering a Wolves player. So sometimes the house wins. I think it was a fair result. Spurs probably could even won by three or four, and United have to go back to the drawing board.
1: Clattered, clattered, you know, clattered I say Onana clattered him so bad they went out and basically told the referees, "You have to call that from now on." And we actually saw that in the Everton game where, where Pickford got, got called for a penalty. Uh, Mike and I and I'll get to you here, but that's four goals from two games for Spurs uh, under Ange Postacoglu. Uh Wondering how they would look in the post Harry Kane era when it came to scoring goals. But uh, two goals in the opener against Brentford, two goals now against Manchester United. Uh, just is this, what you expected from Spurs?
0: Absolutely not. Creative, free flowing, fun to watch. Um, it hasn't been since Pochettino was the coach and Delhi Alley was at the top of his game that we've seen Tottenham play like this, play with this kind of flair, uh, this kind of fun. This was a really enjoyable game to watch as a neutral. And I, I kind of joked around last week that Man City would score nine goals if they played that type of football against them. I still think I believe that, but Tottenham might score eight. <laughs> I mean, it's it's going to be all over the pitch. Um, but what I came away from this game seeing as something troubling is a lot of us, I think, in our preseasons thought United had steadied the ship a little bit and had kind of taken that step forward into the B tier. Not in the A tier yet, not in the championship contenders, but into that kind of B tier, comfortably a Champions League team. They are not. That hasn't happened. And this looked like the United that is nerve-wracking if you're a United fan is unsettling, is unsure of itself. Stu, to me, it kind of looked almost like Mourinho-era United in this game. Unsure of itself was the thing I came away with.
3: Absolutely. Um, and they're probably lucky to have three points at this stage. It probably should be one point. Um, the midfield just absolutely dominated. You kind of don't like that fit of Mason Mount with Casemiro. It's kind of leaving Casemiro out on an island. Um, Rashford's playing out of position. Uh, Bruno's playing out of position. Like they have him on the right a lot of times. Rashford up the middle. It's just and those are your two best goal scoring threats, your two best offensive p- performers, and you're kind of putting them in positions where they're not set up to succeed the, the most that they should. Um, as for the Spurs, I mean, I'm just I'm so impressed by them. the The midfield play uh, Basuma was great. Pepe Sarr was great. Um, they, they, they really did a good job with their movement, uh, kind of, uh, especially in the second half, I would say, uh, countering the, the pressure. I feel like United played okay in the first half. They, they had a lot of chances, but then in the second half, uh, Ah! Oh, oh, is that right? Oh, do we have? He, do we have someone else coming yes. to the party? You, you knew that oh, we yeah. were not
2: gonna have this Manchester United discussion without uh, the man that brings his yeah. opinions to the table. So he
1: has, he has, he has arrived <laughs> late. He's arrived late <laughs> into the box. Unlike Bruno Fernandez, yeah. to hopefully, hopefully take us home here for the final point on Manchester United Spurs. Yeah, they just. Hey, look, I thought that the first half was
4: pretty even, uh, you know, that I, I think uh, the first goal was always going to be big. Uh, I, I actually didn't think we played that poorly in the first half, you know, but uh, it's tough playing Tottenham. They're a decent team. They're going to be pressing. Uh, the, the Manchester United just doesn't have anybody that can score goals right now. Uh, they need Rasmus Hoyland to be healthy like now. Uh, they really, really need him to play this weekend. But uh, yeah, they're 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 they need to figure out what's going on here. They, they need a couple more players in, like, ASAP. So I think this Harry Maguire thing tanked the whole. Uh, you know, when he doesn't want to go because he doesn't want to take the money, all of a sudden now you can't bring another player, and then you can't bring a midfielder in. So, but it's just they're 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 like two or three players short.
1: I, I will say this though, as we as we, and I think a lot of people do, overreact the two weeks into the season. Manchester United lost its first two games last year and still ended up in the Champions League place. Now, that being said, I will say you, you cannot win the title in August, but you can lose it with, with a bad start. Um, you know, which, and look, Manchester United was not going to keep pace with Man City last yeah. year anyway. Man City the is the best team. And, and it it certainly. But, but I, I wouldn't. Be, be over panicked right now they got off to a slow start last year and then and then kind of picked it up and uh and, and got hot
4: yeah i'm just you know i don't know i mean i, I think we're probably going to talk about it later but you know the the officiating from game to game i mean we saw something again today i mean it was game bad, bad this game, week it was bad know, this like, week. It's it it's and it's i know it's part of the entertainment, and that's why everybody talks about the league. I mean, you know, when you, it's, it's kind of the same with the NFL. You know, they're always talking about controversy, and the Premier League is always controversy. But, I mean, you can't have you can't have 15 cards a game. You can't have you know 15 minutes of extra time added time on every and you can't these the referees have to have some kind of thing where it's you know there has to be some kind of consensus here and there never is it's crazy the games from game to game what's a penalty what isn't
1: well we are going to move to the other Manchester City club now uh and that and that of course is the blue half uh where Man City won Newcastle nil at the Etihad we talked uh in the preview show about uh this being a chance maybe for Newcastle uh you know Man City banged up with injuries Kevin De Bruyne is is out who is going to come in there and uh and be able to and not replicate what Kevin De Bruyne does, but give uh, some creativity to that, that city midfield. Uh, and, and could this be an opportunity for Newcastle after a 5-1 win over Aston Villa in the opener to really put down a marker? Well, Man City does what it does. Uh, they, they throttled Newcastle, really limited uh, the the chances the visitors were able to correct. Could take Julian Alvarez, took his chance in the 31st minute. I thought Phil Foden was really good in this, in, in, in this game uh, for City. If, if you're going to, um, you know, talk about a guy who, who needs to step up for them. Um, certainly Foden is a guy uh, who can do that. I thought he gave them a creative spark. Um, and it's kind of just like biz- businesses as usual. Uh, and it's uh, two wins from two for, for a City. Uh, you, you know, JJ, yeah, y- your thoughts yeah, and whether you're, um, you thought Newcastle, you're, you're on Newcastle performance and then, and then Man City really just doing what it does.
2: Yeah. So unfortunately I was working, so I didn't have a chance to watch this match live, but I did talk to a couple of friends who are actually Newcastle supporters and they actually came away from this match a bit more optimistic than I thought they would be. And the reasoning for that is this, you look at the XG for city. It was about one. Um, yeah. They did have a you know an advantage in shots, but outside of a couple of looks, it wasn't really anything that was going to be threatening towards Pope. And I go back to something that I said uh, last week in the preview of this match was at St. James's park. Could it be a little bit of a different issue where if the boys, that being the Newcastle players, needed a little bit of a lift in the 70th minute or so, could that be something with 50,000 geordies in the fans, in the stands trying to get behind them? Could that have been a difference maker to maybe push them on to get something? Because Kyle, as you rightly said, really not much for them going forward. I think their XG was about 0. .3, give or take, depending on who you actually look for, for that. Um, but I think for them... You take more from this, knowing that, okay, tactically, if you change just a couple of things, you are a little bit more prolific on the break. Maybe the next time these two teams play could be a little bit of a different story. Will that mean anything in the table? Probably not. But for the confidence, yeah, I think that means a lot.
4: Uh, You know, City's always scored goals. Uh, everybody, you know I mean? They scored a million goals last year, 151 goals, I think, in all the competitions. The reason City won the treble last year is because they had 27 clean sheets. Their defense won them the treble last year in that game against Intermont. Obviously, their defense shut everybody down. Inter had chances, but they didn't bend. They didn't break. They didn't give up a goal. The reason that Manchester City is as good as they are now is because in these big games, they just defensively play well and they just didn't allow Newcastle to do anything and that's the difference I think you know when it comes down to it at the end of the season if City wins titles again it's going to be because their defense is so strong.
0: What a great point Sean. I I think Pep has that reputation of you know, Barcelona and Messi and free-flowing football and a million passes and and everything that he does. And he does have that reputation because they're really good at that too. Uh, we haven't seen that as much, but I don't think this City team gets nearly the credit it deserves for how stifling they can be defensively. Rodri scored the Champions League winner, but man, he is probably the best holding midfielder in the world, and that defense that we wondered, you know, are players out of position? How did it look in the, the final against Sevilla in the, the Super Cup? Boy, they looked as tidy as ever on Saturday afternoon, Stu.
3: Yeah, they did, and it's just they – sometimes they play the four center backs. Sometimes they play the three center backs. Um, it just depends on the different system they play. And, and really, to me, watching this match, um, obviously, Foden was a standout offensively, uh, creating chances. He looked really good in that role, playing kind of behind Holland and Alvarez with Walker, uh, you know, running down that right flank. Uh, and then the, the, the defense, like you said, Mike, it's just absolutely stifling. You have a Kanji kind of playing in that Stones role, kind of a pressing up into the midfield. Uh, yeah, I mean, the home and the home form, too. 17 straight wins in all competitions, 55 goals, seven goals conceded, and 11 clean sheets during that period. It's just, you have to imagine, Kyle, this, this run is, it's going to continue. Uh, whoever challenges them, whether it's Arsenal, maybe it's Newcastle, I don't know who it's going to be, but it's, it's, it's a tall order because this team is just so good, so well-managed, so many good players. And now they're bringing in another guy, Doku, who is just another guy to add to the team. They'll probably add a midfielder at some point. Um, You miss a guy like De Bruyne, but at the same time, this team is so talented and so uh, coached so well that
1: it's hard to doubt them. It just is. I'm, I'm still I, concerned. I'm still concerned about the loss of De Bruyne long term. Uh, but Pep made no subs in that game. Did you see the video of him? He was kind of going at it with the fan who was who was giving him stick because he he didn't want to make he didn't make any substitutions. And he said, "Okay, you want to come down here and do it?" I would have been like, "Yeah, let me let me get on and I can manage this team." I mean, it's Manchester City. You just rolled a ball out, man.
4: <laughs> um, I, I think I think too. Just just quickly. I mean, when you look at the back. Four, you know, cities, obviously, going back to the defense, you know, Kyle Walker, who's still at his age, pacey. Still
1: doing it, man. Still doing
4: it. Kanji, Ruben Diaz, who was the player of the year two years ago in the league, you know, uh, Vardial, who's going to be a monster. You know, that's their back four. And then you just kind of look at Newcastle's. I know Kieran Trippier is pretty good, but Fabian Schar, Sven Botman and Dan Byrne, like over the course of the season, you know, I, I just think cities, you know, that back four is going to probably get them more points, and Newcastle is going to drop some points. Maybe they shouldn't, and games or you know, maybe draw some games like they did last year, just because that back four is not at the same level as cities.
1: Now let's. We're going to move on to the other title contender, at least. What well, most people consider, and that's Arsenal. Uh, and that game was, we're taping on a Monday, so that game was earlier this afternoon. Arsenal won Crystal Palace, nil. Martin Odegaard from the spot in the 53rd minute. And then Arsenal hangs on for the last 23 minutes plus uh, stoppage time with 10 men after Tomiyasu is sent off for a second yellow card. Uh, again, we talked about the refereeing earlier, and if you want to talk about bad refereeing, Tomiyasu ends up having to eat a yellow card after, for a delay of game after his teammate holds the ball and then throws it to him. And he's like the guy hold, got caught holding the hot potato. He gets a yellow for that, and then a couple minutes later, he gets a ridiculous yellow card for something that that personally was not only was it not a yellow card, it wasn't even a foul. But you can't go back and look at it because it's not a, a, a an offense where the referee gives a straight red right card. He calls a foul, gives the second yellow, but you can't review that for VAR. So he ends up getting sent off. Give Arsenal credit going down to ten men. Palace was was pouring on the pressure. Uh, for the last 25 minutes or so. But it, it, even so, so I don't think Ramsdale had to make one save in that, in that last 25 minutes. Palace had the one very late chance that blazed over the crossbar, uh, but Arsenal were able to batten down the hatches. I haven't thought the Gunners have looked great in their two games. I thought they didn't finish off Forrest when they had a chance. And then obviously today, going down the 10, holding on a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's two wins from two, um, and they've got six points, so they're still up there right at the top. Um, You guys, I'll I'll, I'll turn it over to you, your your impressions of this match today.
0: My biggest impression coming away from this game is that if you want to doubt Arsenal, they're giving you all the ammo that you need. I I said last week that this is the kind of game that they find a way to maybe lose. Um, They didn't do that, so credit for that. You know, they found a way to get the result. Um, They kind of robbed a bank. You know, that was was a foul on Partey. As they got fouled in the box, he should have been on the spot. It should have been a PK. Um, the red card, though, on the other end was just, I mean, Kyle, like you said, pre- preposterous isn't preposterous enough. It was a, a crazy the way that Tomiyasu got sent off in that game. I, I hate to come away from Monday Night Football for the second week in a row talking about the officiating i mean sean you mentioned it earlier all right fine it's part of the entertainment but when it's this bad it's not part of the entertainment it takes away five, from five it. red five red cards
1: this weekend Um, uh, and by the way a ridiculous penalty a ridiculous penalty in the fulham game too don't don't get me well, started. We'll, we'll get to uh, that the
4: problem is <laughs> uh-huh. too, i mean once again these these yeah like i i understand like this this yellow card stuff's not going to go for the whole season. Obviously, they're trying to.
1: They're trying to send a message, like trying to send and, a message. And players will adjust. Is what but the, the so, hope
4: is. It's so ridiculous. I mean, once again, you know, every game is all oh, for you know five yellow cards, six yellow cards. Crystal Palace uh, or um, not Crystal Palace. The, the game during the week is ten yellow cards. During the you know, it's ten yellow cards. It's crazy. These games. There's, there shouldn't be three yellow cards in most of these games, let alone 10. And it's just the officiating's just got to get better. But the, the, the problem is, I mean, over the years, I mean, you see these guys retire, Um, you know, Clattenburg retires early and, and you know, Mike Dean's, you know, obviously getting up in age and he's out. They, they don't replace them with people that are strong enough to do these games. And it's just, it's really, really bad, but, I mean, officiating across the board, I'm, I'm basically, you could talk about that on
3: on any sport at this point. Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been absolutely horrible. It's, and you would think, I mean, you know, from an entertainment point as a neutral fan, it's just, it's not entertaining. It's just, you, you want to see the best, the best sport possible. You don't want to see the officials taking over. You want to see the players take over. And when the officials are taking over and guys are getting sent off and all these yellows and all this extra time, it's just, you know, as a neutral fan especially, it's just not fun. And watching some of these games, that's what really stood out to me.
2: Not really much more for me to add on the referee side. I'll take the Palace side here for a second, guys, because I did say uh, in our last episode again that this could be one of those, the potential, as Mike said, chance for Arsenal to lose. But I almost countered with this is a chance for Palace to take points and for them to be – you know, picked out that team of the top six that's gonna be the thorn in the side this year. And um, Eze was amazing once again, and he's proving why he could be now this new cornerstone really for this palace team going forward. I mean, the amount of years at Wilf Zaha, yes, there were turbulent times, but he was a faithful servant to that organization for the better part of a decade and was able at times to pull them out of some tight matches. And other points was the one that led the line. And I thought as a showed a lot of signs today, especially when he was able to just go out, maybe drift just slightly and start to attack just one-on-one at defenders. He's got shifty feet. The second of the two penalties was stonewall. This was the one, I think uh, 70, 75th minute. It was where he split a couple of defenders. There was contact stonewall for a, We've already discussed the officials, but I think if he continues on this path that he's going, he probably is looking at at least a twenty to twenty-five goal contribution season.
1: I know it's just a cameo. They brought on the kid too late. Um, his name, his name escapes me. Um, the twenty-year-old, the twenty-year-old kid who was on loan in Charlton uh, last year.
2: Oh, um, Raksaki, I think is it? Yes, the yeah, yeah. yeah. They
1: brought him on. Yeah, they brought him on late. Uh, and look, I know they were playing 11 v. 10 at that point. But, um, you know, I thought he had a nice little cameo for him. Again, it's, it's hard sometimes with, with young players in, in that situation because sometimes they'll pop for one game and then, um, you, you know, the rigors of the Premier League can, can kind of be, be tough to cope with at that age. But I thought uh, they've got a nice young promising player there too. And I'll, I'll be um, interested to see how Hodgson uses him moving forward and, and how he integrates him into the, the side and whether there's more minutes available for him.
0: I wouldn't actually be stunned. There's a lot of rumors about him around Leicester um, because Crystal Palace wants him to get minutes. He was kind of still on the squad because they weren't sure if Elise was going to hang around or not. It looks like now they're going to be able to hold on to Eze and uh, Elise. So I, I actually would be stunned to see him end up, uh, if not at Leicester, with one of the big championship teams getting consistent minutes. He, he's a well, big time prospect.
1: Well, let's uh, let's stay in London. Uh, and dive into West Ham three. Chelsea won a really nice result for, for David Moyes and the Hammers. Uh, Nayaf uh, uh, Agu- 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 Aguard, Aguard uh, had himself quite a day. He opened the scoring in the seventh minute and then got sent off in the 67th minute. Um, Carney uh, Chukwameka equalized for Chelsea in the 28th. And then uh, a very nice goal from Mikel Antonio in the 53rd gave West Ham uh, the lead back. And then uh, Pakita, who's been in uh, the news for. Uh, a multitude of reasons this week with a penalty in uh, the fifth minute of stoppage time to, to make up the 3-1 margin. Uh, West Ham having to, to defend with 10 after the uh, the 67th minute sending off. Uh, but again, three really nice points at home there for, for West Ham. And, and Chelsea still very much a work in progress under Pochettino, Sean.
4: Chelsea spent a billion dollars and doesn't have a penalty taker and doesn't have anybody that can score a goal. Like, they spent a billion dollars, a billion dollars over the last – and we're not talking about, like, cities' billion dollars spend over the last, like, six or seven years. They spent a billion dollars in the last 12 months. They don't have anybody that can take a penalty, and they don't have anybody that can score. That kid Jackson's going to be good, but, like, I just – at some point, I mean, you wonder if Chelsea's going to go maybe throw crazy money at Evan Ferguson from Brighton or or Victor Ocean. Osh- at this point now, you might as well spend for Ocean, man. You spend all this extra money. I mean, I they have a lot of really good players, but, like, once again, like, where's Mudrick going to play? You know, he comes on for, you know, 20 minutes. I mean, he's not going to start. I mean, they just bought all these other players. They have all these players that they just bought last year, and they're already – replaced them with other players that they just brought in. So I, I you know, I was stunned that they played. As that being said, if he scores the penalty there, go up two one, I think it's a different game. But I'm just really stunned that with all these players they have and the players they've brought in, they just aren't. They just haven't gotten much better than they were last year. They're just not cohesive. I mean, that comes with the territory when you have all these players. But at some point, you keep throwing money and keep throwing players. They have good players, and they just aren't playing like
0: it. Cohesion comes with time, though. And I think the greatest mistake that Chelsea could make is not giving this side time. I think you see a massive difference. And I thought Graham Potter got an unfair result. Last year, I I didn't think he should have been sacked. but you look at how Chelsea was coached and how they were playing last year. And you look at how Chelsea was playing on Saturday. They are a much better club. They are much more well run. All right. They don't have someone who's that that striker that can finish yet. Nicholas Jackson's pace creates opportunities that his feet don't quite know how to finish yet. But you look at this Chelsea side, they had the same lineup for both games. I don't know if they started the same lineup twice at all last year. Um, Mauricio Pochettino has his guys. Caicedo was a catastrophe when he came on, Stu. I'm sure you loved that. But this Chelsea team, I would actually say now is the time for patience, not panic. Because that West Ham side has been together for a long time. Uh, you know, they brought in James Ward-Prowse. He was playing. But other than James Ward-Prowse, everyone has been there under David Moyes for a 100 years. That was a side with cohesion, a side that's used to playing with one another, playing against the side who was thrown together with a billion dollars in the last 12 months. Chelsea Stu has, not has, the Talent is there.
1: Stu, has patience ever been a word you associate with Chelsea Football Club?
3: Oh, certainly not, and certainly not this this year. I mean, this past year, like you guys have mentioned, a billion dollars spent. And um, just, I, it's watching this this game. I mean, I don't know what Muldrick is. He's a guy who clearly has some talent. He has a lot of pace, but then he has a good chance in the box and basically punches the ball straight in the air. I don't know what the hell that
1: was. <laughs> he um, was the bright shiny object they had to buy because they thought Arsenal was going to.
3: Right, and there are a lot of clubs that were after him. It, it, the kid can obviously play, but he he does not, not look good. Sterling was terrible against Liverpool. He actually might have been the the best player for Chelsea um, a couple of days ago on Sunday. He was okay. Um, Enzo, he's a great player. The penalty, he's probably not a penalty taker. They could probably do better in that regard. Again, if they if they get a striker that is proven and make penalties and can put up twenty goals, then this is a team that'd probably be top four, no question. But because you don't have that and you have all the new pieces, I, I think they're gonna very much struggle to get top four. They're gonna be near the top four, but for Pochettino, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a big work in progress uh for Chelsea. I, I think it's gonna take a while. JJ. Well yeah
0: Mike they're they're not gonna be top four this year. they they're not. This is a project, though. They have to decide, are they in on this project or not? Because if they dump this billion dollars and it's not working immediately and they start to bring in new players again and again and again, this will never work. They're going to become PSG. They're going to become the team that just cycles in expensive players and cycles out expensive players. And every time they leave this club, they get better and they go somewhere else and they're better than they are at Chelsea. And Todd Bowley's constantly chasing his tail, wondering why can't he ever be in the top four? Chelsea has to decide are they in on this project or are they not in on this project? And if they're not in on this project, they have spent a billion dollars, J.J., about as poorly as you could spend it unless you named Elon Musk and running a social media website. Whoa, also, we don't want also, to get canceled oh, now, do we? <laughs> no,
1: J.J., I also <laughs> wanted to, to get your take on, do we feel better about West Ham now after two games?
2: I mean, it's a strange one because I was about to say, hey, we got the response that we were looking for out of West Ham after kind of a meh performance against Bournemouth in the opener. But at the same time we've always gotten this from West Ham during this run that they've been in, in, in European football, where they'll challenge with the top teams every once in a while. And like, they may string them together for a couple of good performances in a row. They'll show up when they need to. Obviously they avoided relegation as well. So, you know, that's, they have enough within them, but, um, The fact that, yeah, they are a bit of an older team. They're a bit more of an experienced team. They've got a couple of wily veterans. I mean, Antonio, he's good for one of those about every three to four games where he'll just pop up down the wing. He'll chase down a ball over the top and absolutely rip one somewhere that even the best of the keepers are not going to stop him I think I need to see more. I need to see if they're going to do more in the market personally, and also I need to see if they can be consistent. If they can be consistent, then – Top half is possible. A run in Europe is possible. I don't if we can see this team that we saw on the weekend for 60% of the rest of the season, yeah, they'll they'll be fine. There's gonna be little worry in East London, but I, I need more. Need more right now.
4: This is just just real quickly too on Chelsea. Look, they have here's their next six or seven games. They play Luton at home, Forrest at home. Bournemouth away, Villa at home, Fulham away, Burnley away. That's the international break, right? The second international break. If they get to that point and they're playing well, whatever. If they're not playing well, after the international break, they play Arsenal at home, Brentford, Spurs away, Manchester City, Newcastle, Brighton, and Manchester United in order. That's their wow. seven games after the break. So if they are if they don't kind of put it together here over this next six games against these teams they should be beaten and they go into that you know that second international break and they come back and they have to play those teams now all of a sudden you're like man what's gonna happen if 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 that goes sideways because we saw it last year happen two different times or really three different times under those managers
1: sort of run down some of the other results from from the weekend and then we'll kind of take reaction anything that stood out uh to you guys from other, uh, from those games, uh, we talk about a bounce-back performance. Aston Villa 4, uh, Everton nil. Everton looks really bad, looks in big trouble here. Aston Villa gets the bounce-back uh, after getting embarrassed by Newcastle in the opener. Uh, Brighton 4, Wolves 1, but with a stunning run and a finish to open the scoring there. Sully March got two goals, um, and, and the Seagulls are flying high early on uh, with a bunch of goals and two wins from two. Brentford three, Fulham nil. Sigh, a ridiculous penalty, uh, a gift. Fulham gave them a gift, and then got a gift, and then and then Brentford got a gift from, a ref- from the referees. A ridiculous penalty, um, and, and they win the a West London derby. Liverpool three, Bournemouth one. Uh, the Cherries actually took the lead in that game uh, in the third minute before uh, Liverpool equalized Louis, Luis Diaz. Mo Salah and Diego Yuta were also on target. Uh, Alexis McAllister saw red for Liverpool. Also, Bournemouth wrapped up the signing of the American midfielder uh, Tyler Adams this week on a five-year deal. Uh, and then finally the the early game of the weekend, Nottingham Forest to Sheffield United 1. Uh, east scores again for uh, Forest to give them the lead. Gustavo Hammer equalized for Sheffield and then Chris Wood comes on and does what Chris Wood does uh, a headed goal in the 88th minute to give the three points to forest. They got 37 points at home last year. That's how they stayed up. It looked like they're at it again uh, in terms of protecting uh, the, the city ground there. Um, I'll start with you, JJ, just y- your thoughts for many of those games this weekend.
2: Yeah, I want to give flowers to Brighton because for the longest of times, they've been the butt of the joke about Team XG, Team XG. They can create all these chances, but they can't score. Um, our friends at NBC put together this lovely little graphic uh, at the end of their broadcast today, which I think is just proves a point of how good Deserbi has been since he's taken over. Most goals in the Premier League since October 1st, 2022, which is when he took over. Man City first, 75 from 33 games, Arsenal 73 from 32 games, Brighton at third at 69. All right. They can score goals. Matoma is class. Brighton, please keep him. Let's see what you can do with this team. I know, unfortunately, there been a team that's been picked clean over the last couple of years, but keep the squad together. You might have something special.
3: What I think Roberto De Zerbi has done for me, at least has made Brighton a must-watch team pretty much every week, right? You have Man City's on. You're going to want to watch Man City. Arsenal, Liverpool, United, all those teams. But right below them is Brighton because they play with such a pace. They're fun to watch. They have players like Matoma, who's so fun to root for. Estupinian, an incredible player. Um, Since the beginning of the year, 2023, he has seven assists. That is the second most out of any defender after Trent Alexander-Arnold who has nine they just play with such a fun pace and even when they lose guys they still seem to bring guys in uh that make them still such a good team so what, what the zerby's done even since grand potter who i thought was a good manager the zerby's even better and it's just it's creating brighton it's just such a, a fun team mike
0: well jj you talked about wanting to give brighton their flowers i'm going to give sean miller his flowers because he said after that result on Monday that Wolves were probably going to lose five nothing, and he came damn close. Yep. Um, they're the class of the middle of the pack. Brighton is, however, European football lingers, and yep. if you play at this pace with the lack of depth that we perceive Brighton to have, Europe will hit like a brick, Sean.
4: Yeah, definitely. I think you know they have to figure out a way to manage. Uh, those Europa League games, uh, you know, last year when they played in some of the FA Cup games, they played the backups in some of those games. So um, maybe they're going to do that to try to get through. They their backups should have enough to get through the Europa League, and, and you know, maybe even, you know, even if they finish second, it's 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 all right. Um, but yeah, I, you know, kind of after that Wolves result, I I, I thought they were going to get uh destroyed there. And the other team, I mean, uh, you talk about the the, the other game, uh that, that Kyle talked about first, Assonville, Everton. Let me just Sean Dyche got relegated and fired with a Burnley team that was better than this Everton team. And now you just lost Calvert Lewin for probably, you know, his whole face was swollen. He's probably got a concussion. He's gonna be out for a little while. Um a he, he couldn't even walk off the field. I mean that's a hamstring. That's that's a long lingering injury and I don't know how much money they have to spend here and so if,
1: and if you but, were a player Sean why would you want to join Everton right now yeah, I mean look
4: if you're if if you're a player and you're you're you know Everton's trying because you know Everton's trying to sign some players that maybe Nottingham Forest is or maybe you know Palace or maybe a Fulham or Bournemouth like I would go to any of those teams over Everton this this Everton That's- team financial fair play, all this different stuff. They've had all this stuff hanging over them for years now. And it's, they've just about escaped every single time. And I, at some point you can't keep doing that. And they just don't have the money to spend. And if they're going to keep losing players to injuries, I think they're in a lot of trouble.
0: If the injuries continue to mount for Everton You know, it's the disaster scenario that we talked about where maybe they have to consider replacing Sean Dyche, even though, God, who's going to come in and take that kick? I I hear Dean Smith is available. Frank Lampard's available. (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that. Um, I mean, this Everton situation looks bleak, bleak, bleak. I was joking around in our group chat that they should probably relegate four teams this year because, I mean, what – Wolves or Everton might stay up with less than 30 points. This that's year. the only way.
4: That's the only way that they, these teams, I mean, and people talk about how good the league is at the top, but the bottom of this league is as bad as ever. There's, I don't know that there's ever been a bottom five that is this bad. These teams, Everton, Wolves, Sheffield United, Luton, you know Burnley I think is a little bit better than but I don't know how much more I think those teams all year are going to struggle to get to 30 points like you they it, it might be one of these teams stays up with 29 points and that would be absolutely embarrassing it's, all, it's like making the playoffs with you know the losing record Um, and, and some of the, one of these teams is going to step because they're just so bad, but who's the worst out of those. You just don't know. They're just all so terrible.
1: I I was watching, watching that made me feel a little bit better about Fulham after this weekend. Let let me, let me give some credit to Brentford because I thought Brentford was going to be in some trouble and take a step back with Ivan Tony, uh, out with the suspension. And then obviously losing David Raya to Arsenal, but Thomas Frank, uh you know, gets the 2-2 the draw against Spurs in the opener. And then they came in. They had a plan against Fulham. They executed. Look, Fulham gave them a gift at the end of the first half with a bad back pass. And then the second half, Tivarim gets a second yellow card, and he gives a penalty for the guy that got for an air shot. The guy literally swings and misses at the ball, and he somehow it, it doesn't go. Like, go look at that on VAR. If he would not have given a penalty there, they wouldn't have overturned it. Like, just go look at that. There, look, there's a little bit of contact, but come on. It, it's a swing and a miss. It's an air shot. It, it, uh, Bo, uh, and Boma scars from the spot. It's 2-0. It's, it's game over. Um, look, and then, uh, you know, that I rub salt in the wound. Mitrovic goes to, to Saudi Arabia. Look, he wanted to go. They were offering a big money uh, amount. It was a club record fee that, that Fulham got for, for him, uh, uh, 58 million uh, U.S. dollars, 46 million euros. Um, you've got to go out and reinvest that now before the end of the transfer window. You need a striker. Uh, Rahul Jimenez is not it. Um, look, it, it's clear he doesn't have it anymore. Um, and, and look, some of that is probably, you know, it, it's hard to be the same after you have the kind of injury that he has in, in some respects. Um, it's amazing that he's even still playing at the, at the Premier League level, but he struggled to score goals since he came back from the injury. He struggled to score goals for Mexico at the, at the international level. Um, I, I look. They've been linked to Balogun at, at Arsenal. Um, I know Chelsea's been in on, been apparently on him too. Monaco uh, from from League One. Uh, but you've got some money to spend. I, I would go after Balogun if I were if I were Fulham. You need a forward. You need a number nine. Um, he's a guy who's who's probably who's not probably who is ready to take the next step um, in in his career. Uh, and, and that's to to maybe be at a club like Fulham and, and lead the line. Um, so I would, I would, I would get in on, on, on the Balligan sweepstakes. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, Mike. Last thought on the other games. Uh,
0: well, I, I want to stick with Fulham for a second. I, I actually just think, while while I agree, they definitely need a goal scorer. I think there are just maybe better ways to invest that money. You know, why not go get a Che Adams from, from Southampton or a, a player like that, where I, I don't, because I want Fulham. another
1: American at Fulham. God darn it.
0: Okay. Sign so Brandon Vasquez then. You know, if that's, you know, the American, what have you, I, I get, you know, you're kind of going for the punchline there. But full no, I'd, I'd, no, I'd, re- <laughs> I'd rather, no,
1: I'd rather,
0: I'd rather, you know, like I, but why one guy when you can use that money and get four or five? And now instead of being on that relegation bubble, you can use some of this money to move into that palace tier where you're, you're comfortable. somebody to you know? put
1: the ball in the goal. you got to score goals. Yeah. I
0: right? think it's hard as set right now. Like if,
1: if you guys not score goals, you're not going to stay up.
4: Hey, if Fulham doesn't get 10, 10 wins from with with those teams that we just talked about, that guy so they should be in in, in the championship. That guy Silva should be fired. They, they I, I
1: I it. it's probably who's the natural goal scorer on
0: Brentford right now. They have a system that creates opportunities. They don't have one natural big time goal scorer. Silva is that kind of level of coach where his system creates opportunities.
1: Yes. Yes. But they still had a a target forward in Mitrovic for much of that. Like the guy, the guy said, had a record season in the championship. Like, and he's your traditional number nine in, in the most traditional sense. Like, Sure, so sure. I look and you're not going to get a like for like replacement uh, for him because because what he does, even when he's not scoring goals, the way he occupies defenders. But uh, like I don't want to go through this whole year without a center forward, like a, a reliable center forward on the roster. I mean, Carlos Vinicius, he's like he's like a knockoff, like a pay less Mitrovic. Um I, I just don't think he's an he's an everyday player. Uh, so so that's why if if i'm looking at what i'm going to do with that money i just think you got to get a center forward
0: well the biggest thing that i think you have to worry about kyle is the fact that all in is at wembley this sunday and you know tony khan's going to be a little preoccupied with selling out wembley (laughs) uh i uh i fed i to one of those shows uh in Atlantic City,
1: when they were in, uh, in Atlantic City a couple of years ago, and I watched him, and I watched him do his shtick, and I went, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is the guy who runs runs the Fulham football club." <laughs> uh, but, but that uh, that's that that brings us to a wrap on our uh, our Premier League Week Two rundown. This is now the time when we go around the world. That was really bad, but <laughs>
0: nope, it's but the imaging. We are- henceforth, we're playing that every week. <laughs> Stu, pull the tape. <laughs>
1: But uh, we are going gonna to kick it to our uh, Women's World Cup correspondent, J.J. Duke here. Uh, Spain 1-0 over England in the final. Ogle Cremona scores in the 29th minute. Spain is able to, to make that goal stand up. Serena Bigman, uh, the England manager, is now the first women's manager to lose a World Cup final with two different nations. Uh, but at the end of the day, it brings uh, to close what I think was a, uh, a pretty exciting tournament um, and, and, and one that um, you know, drew some, some record attendance there in Australia.
2: Now our friends down under put on a show that's going to be tough to top over the next couple of decades or so, because the commitment from this, the fans were there stadiums were packed out. I mean, they even had to move matches to bigger venues because of the ticket demand. So job well done there. I actually have a friend that was on the Australia committee to help get the tournament there. So shout out to my friend and Odong well done. Um, To the tournament or to the final itself, yeah, I mean, Spain did what they had to do on the day, and it proved that outside of that, you could say it was a dead rubber game against Japan, that it didn't mean anything that they lost 4-0. The other six matches, they proved that they were the best team in that tournament, and now I, I think it was said that they're the only women's team in a women's World Cup year to have held simultaneously the under-17, the under-20, and the senior World Cup titles all within one, 12 months of each other. And they took away the strengths of England. Lucy Bronze was basically rendered useless through the entirety of the match. Yeah, Sarah it, was Walsh George,
1: that, it was her giveaway that led to the, the – Yeah, it goal was. Um, ran that into a corner sack in the, the middle of the field, and, and they went right back into that area. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Georgia Stanway and Kira Walsh, they're class on their day, but they just couldn't get anything going. Unfortunately, on the other flank, you had Jess Carter, who's really a defensive-minded defender, not really an attacking-minded defender. Um, Lauren James showed that you know she could change a game when she came on. I thought it was the right decision to bring her off the bench, but Spain were good enough on the day. And congratulations to them. Unfortunately, there were a few sour notes. After one, we sent our condolences to Olga Carmona and her family with the passing of her father. That happened during the course of the tournament. Um, And also the rather unsavory scenes that followed during the medal ceremony with Jenny Hermoso and the president of the Spanish Federation. If you haven't seen it, it's all there on social media. You guys know what to do at that point. Um, but congratulations to Spain, England, tough luck. I know they're feeling down on themselves, but at the same time, remember where this game came from, where 50 years ago, women were banned from playing the sport, and now they've won a European title and they're finalists at a World Cup, and things are looking on the up and up.
1: I just want to make one more point on that. I uh, The 32-team format, I thought that was um, something that was really the right time for this i know there was some uh, a little bit of debate about that if it goes to 32 teams will there be a lot of blowouts will it diminish the product and i just think that um uh, it, it keeps when you have 32 teams like that first of all they showed that there's enough quality in women's football that there should be 32 uh and that it keeps more countries interested it shows that there's this this prize and there's this um you, you know there's there's people want to see it you know, when you look at some of the ratings from around the globe, you look at the the number of people in the stadium that you can put on a tournament like this, um, and and it can be something that makes money for your federation, um, and that you need to put the resources into the women's game. And the more countries that can see that and see that the the carrot that's that's kind of being dangled at the end of that, um, I, I think that's so much better for the for the game globally. You saw like uh, a team like Morocco, a team like Jamaica, both got into the to the knockouts It never would have been. And, you know, nobody would have thought that would have ever happened four years ago, eight years ago. Um, so I think the move to 32 teams um, was was the right decision. I'm glad they did it. Um, and I and I hope the game continues to, to grow in, in certain players because places because we've seen it get more competitive over the, the last few years. And I think it will continue to do that. So Agreed. I have a
4: I have a point about, uh you know, something around the I, I have. Have anybody been watching La Liga at all? A little. H- have you noticed anything about La Liga this year?
3: Uh, something to do with Barcelona, maybe, being a no. little off?
4: No, every single game is in a different window. So, I don't uh, know if you – so, you know, I've been trying to watch some of these games. But they're playing uh, two games on Friday. They're playing three games on – all the different games. Now, Br- uh, Portugal has been doing this for a while. But well, you know when you see the Premier League playing four or five games at the same time at ten o'clock, you know I actually I, 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 the league is a pretty good league. So you know trying to watch some of these games and you have to try to figure out if you want to watch this game or watch Real Madrid. So Real Madrid's going to play next week, I think on Friday. They're playing at one thirty and three thirty. Obviously over there it's like nine thirty at night because they don't you know they're up till two am. But uh, I, I think it's pretty cool that they're doing that. You know, and you know. Portugal's done it for a while. Um, You know, the the argument against it is sometimes people will say that people won't go to games if every game's on TV. However, in England, every game is blacked out at 3 o'clock anyway. So uh, I just think it's pretty cool that they've been doing that. And and once again, Real Madrid played really well. Uh, I think they're, you know, they're a player short. Uh, We all know who the player is. Doesn't look like it's going to happen until next year. But, you know, if they end up getting him somehow, you know, if if he, you know, has to go and Real Madrid pays for Mbappe, you know, that team is going to be a a monster team.
1: All right, let's go from Spain to Italy, where we've had great news today on Monday. A Christian Pulisic banger for AC Milan in his debut against Bologna. Uh, Milan wins 2 nil. Pulisic actually had the secondary assist. What? Is that what we call it? We might call it a hockey assist here in America. Um, to help set up uh, the first goal, I thought he was. I, I thought I thought he was the really pre-assist is now a thing. <laughs> okay, the pre-assist. I thought he was really good in his seventy-two minutes, and, and the best thing about it was, man, he was smiling. He, he looked like he was having fun. He had not been having fun for uh, a few years at Chelsea. Uh, I am going to enjoy watching uh, AC Milan try and win the Scudetto with uh, a bunch of Chelsea castoffs. Um, <laughs> you have you have Pulisic. Uh, Loftus-Cheek, Tamori in the back, Giroud up front. Um, uh, but, no, I, I thought AC Milan was a, a fun team to watch. Um, you know, obviously, they still have uh, Raffa Leal there. Uh, they, they did some other uh, good business in the transfer window. Noah Okafor gives them another another uh, a striking option. Um, you know, Serie A looks like it, it, it might be fun this year with AC Milan enter uh, Napoli, Juventus got Juventus kicked out of Europe, but they looked really good in in, in, in its opener uh, with a three you know with three goals in the first half to to kill that off. Uh, but yeah, look from from a U.S. national team perspective, um, a lot of guys now in, in Syria uh, Syria too. But but Pulisic man, he look he looked great. Uh, you know, happy happy to see that. The, the the better he is, the better the national team is. Because look, I I, I do think I think he's an elite player uh, when he's healthy. Uh, when his coach has trust in him, uh, and you when know, he's playing in, in this kind of form,
4: it's going to be interesting. Yeah, you know, I think he's he's got to stay healthy. I mean, it doesn't, you know, he, he's he shows these glimpses, but uh, you know, he's never, he's never healthy. I'll still I mean, contend
1: he was the be- he's was the best winger on Chelsea's roster. Um, some of it was his fault because was, was your best of avi- your best ability Kyle. is your availability. Pool your six best notes. ability they call is pool your availability. Right. I, he
0: was, I
4: mean, you he was, can't, you know, he gets her? Yeah. He, he can't, he was hurt. It's not available. Yeah. Look, I mean, if I this
0: think, dude was English, no one would know his name. He is a 26 year old flame out prospect. 24. First of all, he's 24. Nothing. First of all, Harvey Barnes,
1: maybe. Stop, stop, stop. Maybe. Stop. We're going to mute him. We're going to mute him. First of think- all, he's 24. He's 24. He's not 26. He won a Champions League. With Chelsea and by the way, and by the way, he had a goal and assist. Yeah, that he Real had Madrid a massive contribution in. Yes, he did. He did. He had a goal and assist against Real Madrid in the semifinal leg that helped them get to the final. He's won a Champions League final. So, so I don't want to, I don't want he was the, if he was healthy and look, part of that is his fault because he couldn't stay healthy. So there were inconsistencies there, but Chelsea was a clown shell, a circus of rotating managers and mismanagement at the ownership level. Who just buys the next shiniest toy? Uh, go cycles through managers. Watch what he does this year. I I I put then money when on will it. In Syria. You're in for goal. ten or more goals this year in Syria this season. He continuously he failed. English when Chelsea. is it his no, fault? He did it. He did not continue to fail. He was not put in positions to succeed by his manager. Oh, poor the thing. English this best- is this- winger.
4: This is more his
1: level. I mean, bollocks.
4: I think this level is a little bit, look, I think the Premier League was a little bit too high intensity. Maybe, you know, he's always injured, but, but look, uh, we'll see. Yeah, I that, think was
1: the, that was the, the biggest, he had of, glimpses yeah, in the Premier League. Like he had yeah. good runs of spell in the Premier League. Again, and I'm not saying that, I'm saying like, yeah, the consistency was an issue, but but Mike, I'm going to mute you. I don't know. Mike, what is your what is your around the world?
2: Are Are you guys okay? By the way, like there are yeah, no, was no, some okay, steam okay. coming, man. No, 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 I, no, no steam. I'm, no steam. I'm out here healthy, eating my popcorn and enjoying debate. this <laughs> tennis battle. This is Hel- great. Healthy,
1: healthy. No, just just healthy, healthy. Pent
2: debate. up aggression, Mike samsel <laughs> <Go> <laughs> No, ahead. no, no. Go <laughs> ahead, go
0: ahead, Mike. Oh my <laughs> God, talk about impossible transitions. But here we go. I thought United, while they had to be strong-armed into it, ultimately made the right decision to part with Mason Greenwood. Uh, There is going to be plenty of interest in him around the world. I can think of one particular nation that seems to be buying footballers and doesn't much care for women that he's probably bound for. But, I mean, I I thought that it's a shame that United had to be pushed into it because United were going to bring him back and they felt the water and the water was too hot and so they bailed and so even if you have to be pushed ultimately into making the right decision if you make the right decision then you deserve some level of credit no they did they did, they did their what you should have done yeah Like yeah no, that's the a minimum a- amount of credit possible for doing what you should have done
4: they're just the whole thing's it a- it's a circus. The, the The whole club is a circus right now, and and it goes down. Look, they put the club up for sale in November last year, and like you have two people or entities, whatever you want to call it, bidding like six billion to buy you, and they can't make a decision. Like, just make a decision. Like, if you're not, and if you're not going to sell, then don't sell. But then you're going to get you're going to get indicted for stock fraud because all this stuff was stock manipulation. The stock's going up and down. It's a whole thing. Just make a decision. There's no rudder right now. Like you, you have this whole thing. And look, if this, if the club was sold three months ago, this wouldn't this thing would have been taken care of in a completely different manner. They either would have been back and there were in the new owners would have been like, listen, we don't care. He's back. Or they would have been like, listen, he's gone. We're dealing with, like, it would have just been dealt with. Yeah. Like, it's this this could have been dealt with months ago. And they keep saying, they kept putting it off. 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 And it's like, they made this thing, like, three weeks ago. Saying, oh, we're going to say something. Like, what, Like just, and then, you know, they're going to bring him back. And they have all this stuff drafted. And they test the waters. And then everybody goes crazy. And then they get rid of him. That's weak. Like, if if... If your conviction is, look, we think he didn't get convicted and whatever, and we, he did this stuff, and we're going to bring him back, then that's whatever. Then just why would you wait to see whatever? Or just get rid of him. But, like, they don't ever do the right thing. They never do the right thing. It's been like this for
1: years. They never do the right thing. Stu, you have anything around the world?
3: Yeah, I, I it's hard to top that, but – um. Yeah, yeah. I know. Wow. <laughs> yeah. so Jude Bellingham in his first two games for Real Madrid, three goals, one assist. He's looked great. And for a midfield market where he goes for 103 million euros plus add-ons, he really doesn't look that expensive right now after you see what Caicedo, Declan Rice, some of the other guys rumored to go for. Um, so he's been amazing for Real Madrid so far. I'm sure he's going to have a very successful career there. And oh, by the way, his brother Job two goals for Sunderland on Saturday as well. So a very good weekend for the Bellingham family.
1: Yeah. And I just, I just also want to take a second to talk about the league's cup final here in the the United States, uh, inter Miami beat Nashville in a shootout that finished. I think it finished 10, nine in the shootout. It went to the 11th round of the shootouts with where the goalkeepers had to shoot, uh, and Miami's goalkeeper scored and then stopped uh, Nashville's goalkeeper on the next shot. It was actually a, a thrilling game. Um, uh, with Messi in the final, a great atmosphere in, in Nashville. Uh, uh, Nashville actually played really well in the game. Uh, Messi scored it. Messi scored a tremendous goal to give them the lead. Nashville kind of scrapped the goal back. Um, and then uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Miami keeper made a couple saves. And then uh, Miami hit the post with the final kick in regulation. It went straight to a shootout. It's another trophy for Messi. Uh, uh, and then actually Miami will play in the U S open cup semifinal this week. That's the equivalent here. Like, not to, like If you think about the FA Cup, what the FA Cup is in England, that's sort of the American version uh, of it, the U.S. Open Cup. Um, and Miami will have a semifinal in that this week before resuming MLS play. And the funny thing about MLS play is Miami is in dead last in MLS, winless in its last 11 games. And the more impressive feat will be if my, if, if Messi takes Miami on a run and they make the playoffs because they've got to jump over about seven or eight teams. Just to get into the playoffs. Like I said, dead last in MLS. If he's able to pull pull that off, that would be, be quite a feat as well to, to add to what he's already done here since coming to the States.
0: Me, JJ, Sean, and Stu, the host of box to box football. Kyle Franco, the host of box to box soccer. <laughs> and <laughs> playing the American Wooder. Playoffs. Playoffs. playoffs.
1: playoffs. Playoffs. If any of you don't know, Google uh, Jim Mora colts playoffs <laughs> and li- look and, like, listen, to look. That,
2: and uh, listen to inter,
1: that
4: inter-miami's winning the cup inter-miami's winning the playoffs no one is beating that team if with that team right now they, they have half the barcelona champions league team in the yeah. line no one is beating <laughs> that team in the playoffs they speaking
2: do- of playoffs kyle <laughs>
1: Yes, Champions League playoffs. We almost forgot, but we've got Champions League uh, playoff round, uh, which is going to determine the last uh, six spots going into the group stage. Let me just uh, read you off uh, what those pairings are. Uh, Antwerp will play AEK Athens. These games are, by the way, these these first three games are on Tuesday. Um, The the second three games are on Wednesday, and then they'll flip-flop next week for the second leg. But uh, Antwerp will play AEK Athens. Uh, It'll be Rangers against PSV. Uh, Copenhagen of Denmark will play. Let's see if I get this right. Rakal Stadikowa from Poland. Uh, it'll be Molda Molda from uh, Norway against Galatasaray. Uh, Braga from Portugal against Panathinaikos of, of Greece. Maccabi Haifa of Israel against the young boys from Switzerland. Any of those stand out to you guys? Who is the Saudi Arabian champion playing? <laughs> I don't think they're in the UEFA Champions. Oh, they're League. not. In it. They're not. Not yet. Not yet. Next year <laughs> until they buy their way in next that's year
2: that's correct oh uh, the Rangers, do, do, do they forget the by the way is, yeah. that, that there is an afc like champions league that they're already in that Just, think, we'll look forget, the argument
4: that people think that. is the argument that people make is it, the israeli teams the teams from uh kazakhstan azerbaijan which part of those is in is in is in europe so they make that case but like Look, come on, like, come on. Uh, you you can't just let teams into this stuff. They're letting enter Miami into like the into like the um, the, the the Copa Libertadores. Well,
1: I, they invited them. In America, they invited America. them. I it's know really they invited them. It doesn't mean that's going to happen, but they basically they just want they just want Messi to come to South America so they can sell tickets. Yeah,
4: look, uh, I, you know, but these games. You know, ha- ha- Haifa, Young Boys, I think, is going to be pretty interesting. That Haifa team is pretty good. Ra- Rangers, PSV, I know of and I mean, that, that's probably yeah. the best I tie. I think
1: that's a tie the round. I was going to say, PSV turning into the American outpost in, in Europe. Ernie Stort is there as their technical director. They brought in uh, Ricardo Pepe. They brought in uh, Malik Tillman from Rangers. Actually, Malik Tillman from Rangers via Bayern Munich. Uh, and then they just uh, got, brought in Sergino Dest on loan from from Barcelona.
4: Yeah, and AEK Athens just had to play. I mean, they just played on Saturday. They had to go through and they, you know, they they got through, you know, in after the, the stabbings and stuff. So I, you know, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, and I actually watched Rangers play this weekend, uh, because they're what I actually like about the Scottish setup is they have their league cup is kind of like their preseason tournament to start, and then they play the knockout rounds as you go along. So they played Greenock Morton. This weekend, and it was for me a very new Rangers side because Michael Beale came in at the middle of last season, and a lot of players that were in that run to the Europa League final in that really what was a poor showing in the Champions League—they're all pretty much gone, and it's going to be kind of a new look team, a new style. They—they're trying to emulate some of the things that Celtic did. They're not obviously going to say that uh, under Ange, but they're trying to impose their will a little bit. So I'll be fascinated to see how this team similar short turnaround to play on this Tuesday night against Eindhoven, who, yeah, a lot of players also coming in dest trained today, which is interesting. So I think he might be eligible to play tomorrow. Something just to keep an eye on. Yeah, that's, I think, the tie of the round for me. And could one of those teams possibly make a run out of the group stage of the Champions League? We'll see. But yeah, those that's definitely the one to uh, watch.
1: And that brings us uh to a close for box to box football.
2: Are we still friends, Kyle?
1: We are still friends. We are still friends.
0: <laughs> Yay.
1: We just had a little bit of a, a little a little bit of banner here. Just uh just uh it's all it's all good. It's all in it's all in good fun. There's never any hard feelings on the box to box uh. Podcast. Just oh, me and though, you were never subscribe. worried,
0: but JJ, JJ looked like mom <laughs> I was eating popcorn. Man. Table. <laughs> I was eating some Just popcorn, it. y'all. That but was fun if you to want, watch.
1: If, if you want uh if you want more of that, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Remember to leave a five-star review. You can comment. Uh, it helps drive the algorithm. If you want to ring the bell, I don't know, can you ring the bell? If you can, make sure you do it. Um, and tell your friends about us. We're on box to box football on Twixter twixter is what i'm calling it um and we're box to box football pod on insta um and we're back on friday morning with a match day two preview or three preview we just did match day two come on kyle a match day three preview uh so uh goodbye and uh we'll see you next time